Welcome to PharmaTalk Radio. I'm Danny McCarthy, and today I'm speaking with Suresh Kata, CEO and founder of Sama Technologies, about how artificial intelligence can be applied to improve clinical research. Welcome, Suresh. Thank you, Danny. Can you tell us a little bit about Sama and the work that you're leading in clinical research? Danny, if I could go back a little bit, uh, I was trained as an electrical engineer. And I started out actually working in a big hardware company, or we were a startup, became a big hardware company, where we were taking large volumes of data, engineering data, and simulating and visualizing them. And we called them three-dimensional workstations back. That's where I learned tricks of the trade. And what I felt was if we could apply this in a generic business sense, because a lot of data was getting collected, but there was not enough intelligence about that data. And meanwhile, there has been an extreme amount of innovation that happened around the world with artificial intelligence over the last decade. And bringing that artificial intelligence and intersecting with the data, uh, really uh, the solution. So that's kind of how we uh, really got out started as uh, an organization focused on uh, trying to give them a bit more intelligence of how their uh, organization is doing and whatever that data streams were. And from there, we pivoted the company into clinical programs over the last five, six years uh, back, where we felt this uh, clinical research programs have been at the same place or worse than what it was about 20 years back. Uh, it takes a lot more time and a lot more money and a lot more failures in our industry. And we felt we could apply this uh, data analytics technology here. Where are you seeing the bottlenecks in drug development right now that might be alleviated by artificial intelligence? Danny, I see opportunities there everywhere. From the time you think about the, our uh, best of the best minds in the industry, scientific minds, who are identifying the molecules and targets. And uh, from the time they try to define the protocol or try to figure out the feasibility of the study, all the way to submission and in between recruitment of the patient to actually running the program through phase one, phase two, phase three. In every part of it, I see an opportunity for us to do it. It's like uh, coming from a world school. I'll just say that uh, there was a word coined in 90s called information highway. Uh, we do not have information highway in the clinical research today. And that's what we intend to do it. And today, information highway is a lot more richer because machine learning algorithms, artificial intelligence, overall deep learning algorithms, making that information highway much more uh, efficient and much more smarter. What are the streams of data being pulled into this information highway and how is artificial intelligence being utilized with them? While designing the feasibility of the study itself, protocol design. Uh, people struggle for months to quarters to even year to figure out exactly, did I get the right protocol design with inclusion criteria, exclusion criteria? Do I have the right framework, right net environment, all that stuff. With artificial intelligence, we are able to actually look at all the protocols, how it was designed for this type of studies or something similar type of studies, what failed and what succeeded. And these algorithms are able to actually guide the best of the best scientific minds on how to think about the protocol designing itself. 
and that shortens the overall getting it right or getting in the right playing field. And many times they're not in the right playing field when you design the protocol. And as probably you are very much aware of it, protocol amendments are very notorious in our industry. And that kills the companies, that kills the people, that kills the whole program. And we are trying to figure out how do we minimize that piece or eliminate over the next couple of years. So you have a very minimal need for protocol amendments. You mentioned a little earlier that you've seen clinical research at a point of stagnation. What do you attribute that to? I feel uh, there has not been uh, enough embracing the technologies by this industry. And that's kind of my number one point. Second is uh, it's complex, it's regulated, and it has all sorts of moving parts. With all of that stuff, our scientists have focused much more about the scientific uh, breakthroughs and they have taken a lot of risk uh, around the scientific breakthroughs rather than trying to bring the breakthroughs through the technology. And it just has evolved that way. And also over the last 20 years, uh, this industry has learned to outsource entire clinical research programs to someone else. And with that, uh, uh, business models did not quite align with that. Uh, Pharma's uh, business model was to bring the drug to the market as fast as they could. Whereas when they outsource it, they outsource it to organizations where their business model was as long as they can keep the clinical research going, they were more profitable. With that kind of uh, disconnect that happened in the industry and that continued to evolve over the last 20 years where technology never came into the place where it should have come in uh, over last um, this period. In your view and in Sama's work, how are you applying AI to trials that are increasingly more complex and are targeting more complex diseases? This is what I would like to say. A patient recruitment is still an unresolved mystery we have. It takes very long time to figure out how to recruit the patient, how to recruit the site, how to recruit the principal investigator. All these things have become, even today, it's very complex. But at the same time, we are able to launch satellites into the space. We are able to send it to different planets. But however, here, uh, we are still stuck in the mode of not able to even identify a patient for a clinical study. That's one of the first areas I'm going to, other than protocol design, trying to figure out what type of patients are there, what type of preconditions are there, what kind of program I could start which could be have a very optimal path in order to get through the uh, regulatory requirements. From the time you touch the patient, it is all about data. Uh, what is drug development? It is really about data. Uh, you ask any chief medical officer, head of R&D, it's all about their data they're talking about, nothing more. Uh, what data have or I don't have. So how do we uh, figure out efficacy of the drug, uh, safety of the drug? all that comes out of that data sets. And how can I have that intelligence as it happens rather than three months, six months later? That's what these technologies are bringing to the forefront of what could be done. And for me, there's still a biggest eye-opener for us was, uh, uh, unfortunately, we were all stuck with a pandemic uh, from March of 2020. That's where the entire world turned on to 
pharmaceutical industry and said, please mitigate something here. And uh, if we see that nobody ever expected there will be a vaccine, which will be a successful vaccines coming out in months, not in years or decades that it used to take. And I would attribute quite a bit of that is uh, the focus and determination and discipline that was brought in by the pharmaceutical industry to then leveraging all the things they had on their hand, whether it's uh, money coming from the government or it's uh, putting all the right people or it's uh, about applying technology, right technologies to the problem. Combination of all of this happened. And that's kind of how, and that opened up for a lot of people saying that, wow, uh, if we have this determination and discipline, there is an optimal path for us to bring out uh, drugs to the mar- market much faster and uh, take care of the patients who are patiently waiting out there. At what points in the journey is Sama working with clients to design better trials with AI? People who have come to this industry, technology folks before us, had done a great work in moving us from paper-based systems to electronically capturing the data. What we are doing is uh, there are enough electronic capture systems with coming decentralized clinical trials and all sorts of IoT devices coming in. There are many different ways to electronically capture the data. What we are trying to do is from the time you capture the data, how do we make that data intelligent? Okay. Then how do we make the data tell us something that we need to know today or this minute? If I could give an example of a, if there is something happening on the road, my maps are able to tell me, saying that, no, take this exit and get off this freeway right now. Okay. So today I have been alerted by the system uh, because it's able to see what most of us could not see before. Okay. Similar way, I feel there are many things, alerts we could give to the chief medical officers and head of R&D and people who are running the clinical operations, whether the issue with the patient, or the, whether it's an issue with the lab, or it's an issue with the protocol, or it's an issue with the investigator. All of these things could be really alerted so that you could get off that path and take the detour if it was required to get back into the freeway again. Uh, similar way, people in the pharma industry not used to taking a detour and coming back to the main path. Once they take detour, they're off the road. How can we give them an opportunity to get off the exit and come back into the path again so that they can go at the tra- on the tracks as fast as they could go? Do you have any examples you can share of how artificial intelligence has been utilized for a great benefit for a clinical trial? When we were called in by Big Pharma, uh, help them out in the vaccine development piece, uh, they were recruiting 47, 45,000, over 40,000 patients. And as you can imagine from lab data and all the sorts of data that comes through every minute of the day, and there is a lot of issues with the data sets that coming in. So what our technology was able to do was cleanse the data as it was coming in and find the issues that were known to the algorithm, the data issues. So we were able to help empower our customer, that is pharmaceutical company sponsors, on how to keep that uh, themselves on this main highway rather than getting off that highway. So we were going off and cleaning up that stuff so quickly that every day we were 
uh, processing that data four times a day in 24 hours. And by the time you went to the finish line, there was nothing else to be done because everything was ready for them to cross the finish line. And it's very hard in this industry to get to the finish line. Then you find out, oh my God, I didn't pick up that. I didn't pick up this. I need to go back and pick up that. Or I need to go and redo this piece because just the way I thought lab data was coming through, I thought it was sufficient, but it is not sufficient. Or they did not give me what I was expecting them to give me. All these things we were able to eliminate as and when it was happening. What does AI allow us to do with all the data that's being collected that wasn't a possibility before? As you know, that as human beings, we're all able to manage quite well uh, when you have four to five, six, seven variables in our head. Then we know how to construct those five, out of five to seven variables and still find a very optimal path. When the number of variables moves up to 20, 20 or 30 or 50 or in this case, 70 variables, suddenly our brains cannot manage that many variables, still find a problem statement. Whereas algorithms are able to scale that way. So we call them as a golden queries. Golden queries means human beings were not able to actually identify the real issue of the patient, whereas these algorithms were able to identify them and actually put up the issue statement for the chief medical officer and people who are running the study and say that, hey, there is a real issue with this patient. You need to really look at it. If it is uh, something serious, you guys need to fix this or you need to find another way to uh, manage this piece. These are the kind of things we are able to do. Because of that, uh, there is something called database lock. Once you have finished the last patient, last visit, you collect all the data and then figure out how do I lock the database and then prepare my path for submission to the FDA. Usually it takes very long time, whereas for this kind of very large vaccine study, our platform was able to help them actually get a database lock done on the same day in about 22 hours. That is very unheard of in the industry to do a, for a large study like 40,000 plus patient study. These are some of the, uh, one of the biggest highlight I could make because this gives us a lot of hope. Uh, this industry can be empowered to do some unimaginable stuff that is uh, really reimagining the whole clinical programs. In your experience, what are you seeing as the hurdles to a wider adoption of AI methods from clinical teams? Uh, look, uh, it's a, for me, it's fairly simple. We human beings talk about change, but we don't change that much. So we have been taught certain way. We are all influenced by our own experiences. And those experiences keep us within that four walls rather than venture into new way of doing things. Like time to time, when computers came in, people struggled to see, they were scared one side using computers. Other side, they just did not know what they are going to get surprises from that. The scare as well as unknownness, both caused for people to adapt that very slowly. And today we take for granted because such a great technology it is, computers were, then it has become so powerful, it has become part and parcel of it. So we need to continue to evolve our own mindset. How do we make this kind of technologies be part of our life to help us out to get where we want? So number one is that one. 
Second is uh, around that mindset, we have created processes and structures, systems, and we need to break apart some of the systems and structures. Until industrial revolution happened, we did not have this kind of freeways on our to connect from city to city. People were scared to travel on that freeway from point A to point B because they were not used to it. It was much simpler and easier. Someone else is taking you in a train or in a ship, then you get off that one. That's the way that mindset was. It took a generations for us together to really change that mindset. So it's similar way clinical research, I feel we have evolved in number of different ways. We need to figure out we can live without being close to the train station or a, a water canal. Today, site is so important. And a few years from now, site may or may not have any significance at all. And today we make an assumption that investigator is the most important one. Or without that, we can't proceed with the clinical research. And in a few years from now, I feel they will be virtually available principal investigators. You really do not have to really do the traditional way of doing it. And patient recruitment, same way. Today, it's really physically, we need to go and meet the patient and figure out how exactly you recruit the patient and set up the patient, all that stuff. It's a matter of time for us. Wherever the patient is, we could be going there for clinical program rather than patient coming into the site or coming into the investigator. Like These are a bunch of different things. It's fundamental to speed up our clinical programs. These are some of the really basic stuff I feel. We have the technology today, Danny. I don't think we have been able to apply them because our mindset was not there. But we need to move out of that one and get ourselves, say that anywhere I could live in this networking arena today, how we operate, and we could achieve the same thing. Part of encouraging adoption is probably seeing it in action. Can you tell us what the Sama AI platform looks like in practical implementation alongside a company's existing processes? We felt it was very important for us to not to rip and replace something, but adapt into their existing processes. So our platform works with current systems and source system structures and current processes. So we are a layer on top of that or adjacent to that piece so that we can give them that uh, super highway information without touching their existing processes. We have designed our platform today to do that augmentation of that stuff. For everyone uh, today may not be the right thing, but uh, we see that biotechs uh, to large pharma seamlessly integrating into our platform so that they can get onto that information super highway to move from point A to B quickly. Are you seeing that COVID has changed people's attitudes towards adopting new technologies like AI? This was my learning from this industry has a lot of brilliant people. Uh, they all want to actually adapt into AI and machine learning and deep learning. I do not question that intent at all. Intent is very strong. But however, they do not know how to apply. Today, uh, there's autonomous cars. Uh, which can drive you from point A to B, but still people are scared to putting in autonomous and driving it. I just don't know. I'm not going to take that risk when I'm on the freeway driving at 75 miles or 70 miles speed. It's a similar way. Uh, there is that fear 
uh, and do not know how to adapt into this new technology. I, I feel that is the thing. We are working hard to figure out how to make it that as smooth as possible for them. And sometimes it's a black box works. Sometimes black boxes doesn't work at all because they're too scared to use a black box to move from point A to B. Second piece I'll just say is uh, familiarity with the technology itself is minimal in this industry. Uh, because of that, it takes a little bit more uh, effort for them to figure out how to adapt into the technology in this industry. Number three is they need to have an ongoing business process re-engineering. That is the way I used to do versus that I need to do. That is a piece uh, until we have some corporate level business process re-engineering going on for clinical programs. Uh, it would be a little hard for us to just jump in and try to figure that, figure this out. They need to be prep work that need to happen. These are the three different ways I look at it, what needs to be done. Clinical research is becoming more expensive. What could this do for reducing some of those costs while still allowing us to pursue more complex medicine and targets? I grew up in a technology industry uh, where it has been true Moore's law. Moore's law was all about every 18 months, you have a double the speed out at the cost. We believe there is an opportunity for us to uh, instantiate Moore's law for clinical research. Every 18 months, how can I do it at double the speed at half the cost? And we see quite a bit. Today, it takes uh, from the time you identify and do the research to all the way to the commercialization, it uh, over a 10 year period or even longer. That's what happens today. Okay. We truly believe there is an opportunity to bring that down to two years to four year period over the next five years. And my point is same thing again. From beginning to end, if we are able to use this kind of information superhighway platforms, then you are able to do all these things in a day. Some of the things I have my uh, slogans at this point, I will say, is I talked about earlier database lock in a day, and it is not heard in the industry. Anytime I talk to any chief medical officer, said, Oh, come on, I, you must be kidding. That's what they say. Same way, um, onboarding the study in a day or mapping the study for a, a regulatory approvals same day or a parallel submission to the regulatory authorities around the world on the same day. So we have ability to do all of this kind of stuff through the systems. Today, this, each one of those things, what I just said, takes three, six, nine, 12, 18 months, depending on who you are and how complex it is. And we truly believe we could do it in a day to days, number of days. When you try to do that way, you are taking some large chunks of time out of the system. And also, you know that on the drug research side, artificial intelligence has been playing a very big role in actually bringing out the right kind of um, molecules and identifying with the right kind of targets. All that stuff is going on. We believe that there is going to be a big breakthroughs. Already it's happening and it will be there. In the same way, there will be a big breakthroughs in some of the things what I said. How, how about patient recruitment in a day? I know that people will laugh at me when I say this. Maybe a few years from now, uh, hopefully they will say, wow, Suresh said this in 2021 patient recruitment in a day. Now it's happening. And that's what I envision. 
and we are trying to empower this uh, great scientific minds of the pharmaceutical industry to adapt this kind of technologies and bring those things. And given take uh, today, Danny, uh, since modern medicine came into this world, we have been able to work on less than 10, 10% of the known illnesses in the human body. We have 90% of them, we have not touched it because uh, just uh, takes too much money, too much time, and there are not enough uh, uh, people to do that stuff or financial might we have. With this kind of ability to bring down like uh, how technology has played or cell phones have played a role around the world in elevating humankind, we feel the same way. We will be able to eliminate the entire, elevate humanity with uh, having a better quality of life addressing a bunch of uh, rare diseases that have not been solved to date. And what is the investment you're seeing from industry in artificial intelligence today? There has been a lot of investments from the venture community to all the big investors over the last uh, few years. If you see, there are quite a few Clintech, we call them Clintech companies, or Clintech is a new way, a new technologies. Um, I'm very encouraged by industry and the investment community embracing these technologies and uh, promoting them and supporting. And uh, the recent announcement that was made by Sama is uh, pharmaceutical industries, uh, big pharma, all came together to endorse our platform and made an investment into Sama. And uh, made a statement to the industry saying that we need to change and we are backing companies like Sama. Along with that, we had a global investor, Carlyle, uh, actually taking a, a lead role in backing us up, uh, promoting our platform for the change that need to be brought in. So I see quite a few investments in the industry and uh, we are uh, certainly thrilled about uh, what in endorsement we got for ourselves. And we feel this gives us a further energy and passion that we have to empower the industry to do what they need to do to adapt to these technologies. As we're closing out this conversation, what would you like to leave as a parting message about the value and use of artificial intelligence, as well as what you hope to see in the future? For me, um, see, it's um, always in every market, there is a hype. And when artificial intelligence is spoken that word, people think about that as a hype, nothing more. But it's reality today. And we were able to bring vaccine or therapies to, of COVID-19 to the market in months. The same year, we were able to bring it down. So look up that kind of stuff. And my suggestion is uh, take a bit more aggressive uh, posture in what you could do in your own organization or uh, in your circle of influence what you could do to encourage this kind of technologies to play a bigger role in your success. That's kind of my advice to pharmaceutical industry execs. Take, you have been taking a lot of risks with the science, take the risk with the technology too, because these technologies have already proven us when the world called on us, we were able to solve it. We were able to respond to that. And same way, I feel there is a lot of patients are calling on us, whether they're suffering from liver cancer or some other type of oncology stuff or, or uh, neurological disorders. There's so many of them. Uh, they're all calling on us. We are not able to hear them. So let's look at them and use the technology and bring them what they need today to have a better quality of life.
Thank you so much, Suresh, for speaking with us about artificial intelligence and how we can optimize clinical research. For more information about PharmaTalk Radio podcasts, you can visit theconferenceforum.org. Thanks for listening. Thank you.